All right, folks, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I am Sarah. I'm Jane. And it is now post-Thanksgiving to you, pre-Thanksgiving for us. Mm -hmm. So I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. I hope it wasn't too stressful. Ate some pumpkin pie, if that's what you like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having... Jane and I had to sample pie options for my family's Thanksgiving. It was so good. From a shop in... um, New York that I'm bringing back to Pennsylvania and my family will be having a brown butter honey pecan pie. <laughs> I normally don't like pecan pie or pecan pie. I never know how to say it. But I say it's weird because when I'm talking about the nut, I say pecan. But when I'm talking about the pie, I say pecan, pecan pie. Sounds more natural. It does. Yeah, you normally don't like it. Yeah, but this one was so good. It was so good. So I hope my family likes it because I'm, I'm a bringing it. <laughs> you have no option. How are you doing, Jane? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I'm eating dinosaur oatmeal as we speak. What a throwback. Which I haven't had since I was a little kid, but we saw it at Target yesterday. I was like, yes. Sometimes you need to comfort yourself. I know. With your childhood comfort food. Yes. How uh, are you, Sarah? I'm, cu- I'm good. I'm very good. I, um, It's finally happened. I finally saw Frozen 2. Oh, Waited six years, and we saw it this week. And I I'll liked probably it. See I it enjoyed again. it very much. Yeah, I'll probably see it again over Thanksgiving. I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my review is a good one. I'm happy with it. So I feel, I just feel more at peace. Like, mm. I feel like all last week I was so anxious because I was like, what if I see Frozen 2 and I don't like it? Like, what if the sequel to my absolute favorite movie is something I don't like? Like, I felt the same way when I was going to see the Broadway show. Like, I was just so anxious mm. because I was like, what if I don't like it? Like, because it built it up so much of my brain, but I loved it. So I feel like it's possible for there to be a bad sequel to something in the original to still hold the same place in your heart. I think it would. I think I would just feel such supreme disappointment, mm-hmm. you know? Because that's how I felt about How I Met Your Mother. I hated the ending of How I Met Your Mother it was so worst. much. It ruined the entire show for me because I hated it so much. Because to me endings it's like everything leads up to that point and so when the ending is unsatisfying it's like what did i do all this all this for i mean i don't have any particularly strong feelings about cars but (laughs) i hate cars too so much i'm assuming you've not seen cars 3 not yet i've heard it's like a happy medium like it's what cars 2 should have been gotcha i liked oh you know what's a terrible movie planes (laughs) <laughs> so bad no one ever talks about it for a reason <laughs> for a reason you know what i felt that way about the incredibles too i was very disappointed in the Incredibles. really too. i loved it i liked it i didn't love it i recently heard that they're gonna make a moana too and i don't really want them to i don't really see there I don't, being a need for that yeah like i don't need i didn't really feel like frozen needed another story but i was still excited about it you know <laughs> I feel like Frozen, the universe itself, is really rich and, like, there's a lot of unanswered questions at the first movie Especially left. in regards to Elsa's magic. Yeah, so exactly. I feel like that was the natural place to go, for sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas Moana, like, I feel like I know everything. Yeah. And I feel I like... I love Moana. I, I'm not discrediting I understand, apologies. like, where Moana's journey was going to next and, like, what her yeah. purpose was, yada yada. So I don't want to... I. I know Disney is a money-making machine, and we've said this before, but it's like every movie they're making now is a sequel to something. Um, Onward is going to be their first movie that's coming out that's a new story in March in a very long time. Because mm. it's been a lot of sequels, both in the animation studios and Pixar and like Marvel, all of that. Like It's 
It's been so many sequels. It's like I'm ready for a new story. Yeah. At this point. So, are you ready to tell me about the science behind dreams? Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) We're taking this seriously. I love it. (laughs) um, God darn it. I edited my section last week and I am so now aware of how many times I say. um, (laughs) It really opened her eyes. I really. There was one part that I edited that was literally like 15 seconds and I said um five times and nothing else. (laughs) And I know it's just me trying to fill silence while I'm thinking. Yeah. But girl, what? Yeah. (laughs) Find some other words in your vocabulary. Dang it. (laughs) I also say, okay, so. Yeah, you do. Which is what I was just about to say just now. But, um, gosh darn it. <laughs> this is torture. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to punish you. No, it's not something you've done. It's something I needed, you know? Okay, that's fair. That's a fair way of putting it. <laughs> Dreams are something that we've been aware of basically, like, as long as humans have been self-aware uh-huh but we really haven't had much scientific research on them until the past until very recent history just because we didn't have like mri machines um oh i didn't like even think about scans, mris being involved and like scientific equipment that can see your brain observe brain activity yeah. and study it in that way yeah, yeah. so there was a lot of time before we had all that that psychologists mm-hmm. sort of theorized what brain what brains were what dreams were Early civilizations thought they were a medium between humans and gods. They thought if they had a dream, that was just something, that was a message from a god. Oh, that's cool. Um, Greeks and Romans thought that dreams were prophecies. Wow. Um, Sigmund Freud was... Was that only if, like, wealthy... There are the eyeballs. Sorry. (laughs) The eyeball gumballs are up there. I was looking for them yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We put away our Halloween decorations yesterday... November 23rd. And um, I couldn't find this one thing. Um, sorry, my question about the prophecies thing was, was it only a prophecy if it was like someone important saw it? Or was it like even commoners could have prophecies about like their own futures? Well, when I say prophecy, I think I just mean they were prophetic in nature. Okay. They just thought it was something that was going to happen to themselves in the near okay. future. Okay. Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung are the two psychologists that have Mm -hmm. the most famous theories as to what dreams are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freud thought that dreams were our brain's way of sorting through repressed or unresolved longings, wishes, or desires. Okay, that makes sense. And Carl Jung, who studied under Sigmund Freud, didn't think it had so much to do with desires, but he agreed that dreams, when interpreted, could reveal psychological truths. Okay. Uh, It wasn't until we had certain technologies like i said before that scientists were really able to study dreams one prominent neurobiological theory of dreams is the activation synthesis hypothesis okay (laughs) which states that dreams don't actually mean anything they're merely electrical brain impulses that pull random thoughts and imagery from our memories and just kind of throw them all together and that theory kind of states that they don't mean anything I don't agree with that. That well, that one has. Um, there's more evidence recently that has kind of disproven that. Okay. So there's this one, another theory that is posed is the threat simulation theory, mm-hmm. and given that there's a lot of documentation of dreams and there's a lot of like different danger scenarios in them. Yeah. And we also have evidence that dogs and cats can dream and other mammals can dream. Mm-hmm. 
some biologists think that it's a defense mechanism that our brains are repeatedly simulating potential threatening events. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, which enhances our neurocognitive mechanisms for which are required for efficient threat perception and avoidance. I would say that's a good description of the dreams that I have. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Just giving you a bunch of scary situations so your brain can practice getting out of them. Like truly. <laughs> I'm never good at it though. I have so many dreams where something is slowly chasing me and ev- no matter where I hide or no matter what I do, they always find me. Yeah, I feel like I'm never caught. Like whatever the danger is, it's like I never quite get there. Yeah. But I have a lot of dreams that are me preparing for potential dangers Mm. particularly around work yeah i used to have a lot of dreams where i was running away from something but i couldn't get my legs to work that's scary or they would work in like bursts like i'd get bursts of energy but then they would stop working and i'd have to like be moving really slowly there's this lady who now is my hero i love her mainly just because she's a female scientist. I don't really know cool. that much about her. <laughs> That's but all her, you need to be. Her name is Christina Marzano, mm. and she is a scientist in Rome. And oh, she works with a, I know. She works with a research team at the University of Rome. Oh, good for and her. And she's done several sleep studies that have given us new information about dreams that we didn't have before. Cool. She did one in which she was the first person to successfully prove that our brains record and store dream memories in the same place in our brain where where we store real life memories. Oh, Um, that's so interesting. Yeah, she basically, I read it like as on a day-to-day breakdown on the first day, she just introduced studies to the place that they would be sleeping for the next like couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she had them start to write down their dreams. And then eventually she started to like hook them up to brain monitors. Mm -hmm. So it was a slow process. Yeah, it was. But she basically just saw that, just observed where in the brain their memories were being stored and determined that it was the same place. That's so cool. Her team also did a study in which they found that vivid, bizarre, and emotionally intense dreams are linked to the amygdala and the hippocampus. Okay. And that's interesting because the amygdala processes and remembers emotions and emotional reactions, and the hippocampus stores memory. Uh, So I think both of those studies just prove that our brain reacts to things that happen in dreams in the same way that it reacts to things that happen in real life. Okay, yeah. And that things that happen in real life can also happen in dreams. Yes. And vice versa. Dreams occur during REM sleep. They can occur during non-REM sleep, but you don't remember. You're far less likely to remember them if they Mm -hmm. occur during non-REM sleep. Matthew Walker did a study at UC Berkeley in which he had subjects force them to not have REM sleep. Okay. and Like he woke them up every 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So like his studies were sleeping, but he literally like deprived them of REM sleep, and he found that it, it with extreme correlation, decreased people's ability to understand the emotions of everyday life. Mm-hmm. So people were like <laughs> freaking out over the littlest things, which makes sense, you know. Yeah, that does. Um, this I found super interesting. There's a really <clears throat> super rare clinical condition known as Charcot-Willebrand syndrome, mm-hmm. and um, amongst other neurological symptoms, it causes loss of the ability to dream. I know. You never think of like that being a thing you could lose, but yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Very recently, there was a patient who reported that she had lost her ability to dream and she didn't have any other neurological symptoms, but they later determined that she was suffering from a lesion in the part of her brain called the right inferior lingual gyrus. 
the visual, which is in the visual cortex. Okay. And scientists from this and other data, but this was kind of the nail in the coffin, um, concluded that this area of the brain is where dreams are generated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is also the part of the brain that's associated with visual processing, emotion, and visual memories. So the most agreed upon conclusion of what dreams are is that dreams are our brain's method of deconstructing and processing emotional emotions and memories, basically. Okay, that makes sense. Which is really important because it helps you just deal with your life in a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Which I never thought of dreams as helping me in any way. Yeah. But there's so many studies in which like taking away REM sleep and the things that happen with your brain during the REM cycle, which is when you're dreaming, Mm -hmm. um, really affect your life. Um, severe REM sleep deprivation is increasingly correlated with the development of mental disorders because people don't have a normal way to process their emotions. Yeah. Um, so people who aren't getting REM sleep have much higher increased, um, levels, not levels, but instances of Mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, other mood disorders. Right. And fun fact, dreams can help you learn. Mm. There have been studies where... <laughs> Sorry, your nose. You, you're like <laughs> touching your nose and just like... Jane has an incredibly squishy nose. Um, and so when you touch your face to think, your nose gets so flat. It's just... <laughs> it's truly phenomenal. Um, she's looking at herself in, the, in a phone now. So she can see it. Like, it truly... It's so astounding. It's, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Great. So there have been studies in which subjects have been taught certain skills, like either word memorization Mm -hmm. or certain types of games that they could play. Mm -hmm. uh, And the subjects that were just taught them and then told to practice and then come back and demonstrate how they improved did way less, but did did much worse than subjects Mm -hmm. who were taught the skill and then told to go to sleep immediately. And then they woke up in the morning and they were better at it. That's why I heard that I learned in high school, I think at one point, that like people say don't study right before bed, but it's actually the best time to learn mm-hmm. because if you learn something and then you sleep on it, you like wake yeah. up and you remember it. Like the phrase let me sleep on it is super yeah. true because your brain literally teaches itself while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you gain insights that you might not have had before once mm-hmm. if you get sleep REM sleep. So it's good to read before bed. It is. It is. Or first thing in the morning. Here's something else that's super interesting to me. Um, physical sensations can manifest in your dreams. So uh, there Like was... falling? That happens to me no, all the time. That, that I read somewhere. and I kind of want to Google it and double check. But someone told me once that that is when you're, you literally are dying for a sec. Like your brain stops like your heart stops or something oh i've read that when you die in a dream it's because you stopped breathing in real life but i wake up all the time feeling like i was just falling through the air and then i like jump up in bed i always do that i always feel like i'm falling and i'll wake up and be like no no no." yeah the worst type of dreams for me and i think it from reading all this stuff it's just that i need to do what my brain is telling me to do i always have dreams that i Like, if I need to clean my room, I'll have a dream that I've cleaned my room. And then I'll wake up and it's still messy. And I'll be like, God, yeah. Because I (laughs) felt like I had the experience of doing it. Right. I definitely had dreams before where it's like, I dreamt I went to school. And then I woke up and I had not yet gone to school. And I was like, dang it. Gotta do it again. I just did that. 
Oh, the thing where you're falling is called a hypnic jerk. Oh. Or a hypnagogic jerk. Hmm. It's a normal reaction that is caused by anxiety, caffeine, a dream, or discomfort of sleeping. It is triggered by a sudden muscle twitch calling the feel- causing the feeling of falling while sleeping or dreaming. Mm. Never mind. So you're not dying. <laughs> Someone literally <laughs> wow, told me that it was like you're sleeping and then your body like kind of forgets to like live for a sec. And then you that feeling is your body like waking itself up to be like, breathe. That's what I've been told. Like you seeing yourself dying in a dream or you dying in a dream is. It's mm-hmm. because it's your brain being like, you've stopped breathing. You need to wake up. Oh, because you can't die. You can't see yourself die in a dream. Interesting. Well, this doesn't have to do with that, but there have been instances of recent burn victims. Um, I know. Who, well, they have very frequent dreams about their burns or mm. like the, th- they experience themselves running away from either the thing that caused their burns or the pain of the burn itself. Oh, I know. Sad. And there was one study... <laughs> I think this one's kind of funny, where (laughs) while the person was in REM sleep, scientists uh, did something to him to initiate a pins and needles sensation in his feet. Oh. And in that very moment, he dreamed about trying shoes on that were too small. Oh, that's so interesting. How did they know that it was that exact moment? That's when he was dreaming. I don't know, but I think maybe they woke him up right after. He was like, I was just dreaming about shoes Mm, or very just uncomfortable shoe try on experience is what he said that's fascinating yeah so that's what i have on dreams a little bit shorter this week oh that was everything yeah cool that was great there's a lot of scientific jargon that i could have gone into that just i felt like i would have done a poor job of explaining yeah what's the most vivid dream that you remember hmm I don't know. I had a lot of dreams that I was getting kidnapped when I was little. Really? Yeah. Because of baby geniuses. Literally, though. (laughs) There's this scene in Baby Geniuses where... Well, I'm going to spoil Baby Geniuses, but... I think we're... Well, we're fine. in, In Baby Geniuses, there's two twins, and one of them is taken to this like research facility where they study baby geniuses, and one of them is adopted by a family. Mm. And... Through some series of circumstances, they end up at a shopping mall together and they get switched. But the scene in which they get switched, the like kid who was raised with the family is like crying, and then these like men tackle him and wrap him in a white blanket and put him in a duffel bag and carry him back to the lab. That is very scary. And so I had so many nightmares that the bad guy from Baby Geniuses was gonna wrap me in a white blanket and put me in a duffel bag. And the people in my life did not care. That like, is supremely scary. Like, my biggest nightmare that I remember was I was at a soccer game. And my brothers were playing it. I was sitting with my mom. And my neighbor was spying on me. And, like, we were by a house. And my neighbor was spying on me with a, with a telescope. <laughs> with a comically large spyglass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was a swing set. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mom, I want to go to the swing set. And she was like, okay. And I go over and I see the bad guy from Baby Geniuses. And for some reason, I'm like, I'm going to walk right by him just to see if he'll get me. And then he does. He grabs me. Oh and my, my mom goes, oh, no, no, no. Actually, never mind. You can have her. <gasps> and then he puts me in the duffel bag. And That's so sad. I, I had so many dreams about being not wanted as a kid, which I feel like doesn't make sense because, like, I never experienced that in real life. Like, Right. You never. My parents weren't neglectful. Yeah. They were normal parents in that regard. 
I feel like that's more of a middle child thing to be like my parents. No, but I'm the youngest. And you're the the youngest. So that's weird. (laughs) That's very weird. My Uh, most vivid memory, my most vivid, not memory, dream, but it feels like a memory, was mm -hmm. um, my mom, when I was a little kid, had an Acura, um, a silver Acura, little compact car. And um, we, next to our house, we have um, a gravel road that has this really great slope on it down and then it levels out as it goes past our field but my house is up on a hill so it's like the gravel road next to our house that like goes down the hill Mm -hmm. um and i had a dream and i don't know if it was because i had just seen jurassic park from the first time or it was like (laughs) i had just learned about dinosaurs for the first time but i had a dream that i was in my mom's acura and we went up the hill and she parked at the top and she had to get out for some reason and she got out of the car, but for some reason, the car wasn't in park, and so it just slid, like she put it in neutral or something. So she got out of the car, and it started sliding down the hill, and I was in the back seat, and I was, like, screaming, and she was chasing after the car, but then when I turned around, I, the car was backing towards a T-Rex. It was, like, <laughs> wild. I remember this so vividly. And it was like, and then the dream was over. It was a very short dream, but it was like, mm-hmm. A, the terrifying feeling of like, you're falling backwards, you know, yeah. B, huge dinosaur, <laughs> like just chasing you, T-Rex screaming at you. And then C, that you're in that dangerous situation and you're, you're not with your mom, like you're separated from mm-hmm. your parent. It was so scary. And then I had another dream that I actually wrote as a short story when I was in middle school and I got a really good grade on it. And, but it was, came from a dream was I had this dream that, um, I live on a, I grew up on a big property, 14 acres in our house. We don't have any neighbors. So it's a little secluded. And, um, I was always really afraid of being home alone, but I was having a sleepover. I was in middle school. I was having a sleepover. And for some reason, my mom had decided to leave, but it was like all of us were together. It was like five Mm -hmm. of my friends. And my mom was like, I'm running up the street to the grocery store. I will be right back. Like 10 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, that's fine. Um, And so she left, but it was dark outside. And then there was this weird knock on the door and I opened the door and there's no one in front of the door. But when you are, when you are looking out the front door of my house, you're looking at my barn and my barn has a hill that slopes up next to it. And at the top of the hill, so it's like straight across, I have a big driveway, but straight across my driveway on the top of the hill next to the barn, I can see an outline of a figure. (laughs) And it's like terrifying. And I close the door, I lock the door, and I tell my friends, I'm like, there's someone out there. We go into my house and we hide. And I, for some reason, know it's not my mom or my dad. I like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm aware that's not one of them. We go to my house and we all go all the way upstairs and we all hide. But we can hear that the door is opening. We like, I somehow know that the front door is open. I somehow know this person has gotten into the house. And we managed to get out of the house. That's the part I'm a little unclear on at this point. But somehow we managed to get out of the house to the front door. And on my way out, I grabbed the keys to the pit. We have a pickup truck. And I grabbed the keys to the pickup truck. And I'm 12. I have no idea how to drive. But I'm like, we have to drive. We have to try to go meet my mom at the grocery store, which is a str- like it's, it's one turn mm-hmm. down the road. I'm like, I think I can make it there. I'd driven my family's tractor before. Like, I knew something about driving. So I was like, okay, everybody get in the pickup truck. So they all get in the pickup truck. They get in the bed. And I get in the driver's seat. And I'm like, I just have to drive five minutes. If I can make it five minutes, I can get to my mom. And we drive there. And my mom is not there. (gasps) 
And my friend, this was a long dream. And my one of my friends that was with me was like, let's go to my house. I live the closest to you. We should go to my house. And I'm like, okay. But somehow this man like is following us. Like when we get to the the market, it's called Highland Orchards. When we get to Highland Orchards, it's like I turn around and I can see him in the rearview mirror and he's still just the silhouette. <sighs> and so then we're like driving, driving, driving. And we get to, like, my friend's neighborhood, but, like, I crashed the car, so we have to get out. And we're literally running through the neighborhood, which is a huge development. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, ten streets, and they're all really long with all a bunch of houses. So we're hiding all – we're, like, running up and down the hills, hiding all along the development. And for some reason, we haven't seen a single other person. Like, no one is around. It's just us. And we're all running around. We get separated. And at this point, I have a cell phone, but it's like a flip phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm texting my mom. And I'm like, where are you? I need help. My friends and I are texting each other. Where are you? Where are we going? And I managed to get into my friend Andrew's house. And we get into his house. There's no one there, even though he has siblings and parents. None of them are there. We get into his house. We I get into a closet in his house. And I get a text from Andrew who also was in the house I guess and said he's here and I hear the door open to his room and just as the door is about to open to the closet I look at my phone in the dream and the phone it's been all night it says 6 13 a.m or 6 15 a.m and I wake up and it's my 6 15 alarm going off for like me to wake up to go to school so it's like the dream <laughs> ended the exact same time it was in real life so I was shook I've never <laughs> forgotten this dream like it still haunts me. I'm afraid of the time six fifteen a.m. It was really weird. It's your own like witching hour. It is. It was my own witching hour. It was such a weird dream. So, that's my weirdest dream. Um, moving on, till we cover your Reddit segment. What you have planned for us today? <laughs> sure. Well, when we were discussing Reddit this week, I was looking through Reddit and I was having trouble finding stuff, and you suggested that we do some sort of holiday-themed either trivia or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking through this one article called 31 Christmas Trivia Questions for Your Next Holiday Gathering. Cool. And Perfect. one of them... <laughs> this is the question. Per a recent holiday fad, what spy hides around the house reporting back to Santa on who has been naughty and nice? Elf on the Shelf. Yes, that is the correct answer. Now, (laughs) this just, like, triggered something in me, and I just wanted to discuss Elf on the Shelf. Okay, yeah, we can talk about Elf on the Shelf. Did it start as a book, or did it always start as a, like, you hide an elf? I don't know. It's definitely a recent thing, though, like, within the last 10 years. Yeah. It (laughs) Looking back on the 2010s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but my little cousins, like, they never have had a Christmas without the Elf on the Shelf. Oh, and I just I don't like it because like I think it's fun. I think it's cute. I actually have one at work that I just found hidden on the back of a shelf, and I was like, Santa, hello, um, <laughs> hello, and I'm gonna be hiding it around different places for the kids to experience because like it'll be fun for them, whatever. Right. But also, we've established in Santa Claus lore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That Santa. Sees you when you're sleeping. He knows, knows when, when you're, you're awake. awake. He He's knows an... if you've been bad or good. Good. So be good for goodness sake. sake. He's an omniscient being. <laughs> he doesn't need spies. Okay. We don't need know to. What my theory is. My theory is that there were too many elves. And he's like, I don't have enough jobs. <laughs> there was a jobs crisis. They're like so rabbits, to make the elves multiply. feel better, 
he was like, I'm gonna give elves some jobs that they gotta they gotta spy on some kids. He was he's just trying to create jobs. Okay, okay. In the economy. Um, that's my theory. But it's, okay. I do I do understand your point though. That it's like why do we need an elf on the shelf if Santa is, is omniscient? omniscient? Yeah, <laughs> which is like creepy. in the Santa Claus, how he's got that globe. Elf on the shelf is a Christmas tradition. No, Elf on the Shelf colon A Christmas Tradition is a 2005 children's picture book. Okay. So it must have started then. Which we were like 10 then. Yeah. So. Yeah, I do I do understand your point about him being omniscient. I... <laughs> do kids still write letters to Santa Claus? That's my question. I like, think so. I wrote so many. I had a specific North Pole mailbox like, that Aww. I filled. Filled. I wrote a lot of letters. Um, I never did. But also my family was super, like my mom liked the whole Santa thing, but my dad does not. And mm. he told me when I was very young, like Santa is not the important thing of Christmas. Right. Like Jesus is. I was like, okay. So, okay. <laughs> so we did like this. Well, we opened our presents on Christmas Eve. Mm, yeah. And then we opened stockings from Santa on Christmas morning. Gotcha. To like have the best of both worlds, you know? Right. Alrighty. Well, speaking of Christmas, are we ready yes, yes, to, yes, yes, yes. Are we ready to talk about Hallmark Christmas movies? <laughs> this was actually like really fascinating. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna find on this. I found a lot. Great. So, um, I want you to take a guess. How many people watched the Hallmark Channel at Christmas time last year? Hmm. I'm like, okay. Well, there's like seven billion people on the planet, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna guess. This might be way too big. 200 million. Uh, that is too big. Okay. <laughs> two million. Too small. Way too small. You were closer with 200. 150 million. Less. 125 million. No. 70 million people. <laughs> okay. Which I would like to point out that the Hallmark Channel is only available in America. And America is 300 million people. So it's pretty, it's, it's a big proportion. Yeah. It's a big big chunk so 40 new films will debut on the hallmark channel this season great that's a record for them really 40 yep it's a record um hallmark originally stole the idea for cable christmas movies from abc family Mm -hmm. in the 1990s when abc family first started their 25 days of christmas tradition oh i'm familiar where we are aware we're aware of culture um the hallmark channel launched in 2001 as an official channel after making tv movies for decades for other networks such as cbs so the hallmark channel itself has only existed for 18 years okay okay Around 2011, ABC's family's demographic started targeting teens with shows like Pretty Little Liars. And so Hallmark decided that they would tackle Christmas since ABC family had no longer become about like wholesome family content because they were making kind of darker stuff. Oh, yeah. They switched eventually to Freeform. Exactly. Um, Michelle Vickery, the executive VP of programming and network publicity for um, Crown Royal, which is the company that owns Hallmark. Okay, yeah. Um. I can picture the logo. Yeah. Said, we did look at what... Wait, Crown Royal is a whiskey. It's... <laughs> yeah, when you said that, I was like, um, Crown... But I can picture, Hallmark. like, the crown on the back of Hallmark cards. Hallmark Crown. Called... Crown Media Holdings. Sorry. Crown <laughs> Royal is a whiskey. <laughs> crown Media Companies. Um, uh, 
so that's Michelle Vickery, executive VP of programming and network publicity of Crown Media Holdings, said, we did look at what 25 Days of Christmas had become in people's minds and said, wait a minute, we have a brand and a hundred year legacy. We should lean into that as much as we can and do more of it. So they did. Mm-hmm. Hallmark produces movies tied to holidays year round, but starting October 27th, they begin their Christmas release schedule. So before Halloween has even happened. <laughs> Rude. Hallmark believes they are able to be successful on cable TV and a streaming world because the Hallmark Channel offers something comforting and consistent that people crave for relaxation and joy. So a lot of people have been surprised that Hallmark has been able to make more movies every single year when most cable television channels are having a hard time keeping viewership Mm -hmm. because streaming has become so popular. But Hallmark is not having that experience. Some call Hallmark the Yuletide version of the low-budget horror studio Bloomhouse, which I actually personally feel the same way about because I am not a big cheesy Christmas movie fan, but I am a really big low-budget horror movie fan. <laughs> and I, lo- I know Bloomhouse is like is known for doing consistent low-budget horror movies that are still like good in quality. Hulu releases a lot of Bloomhouse movies. And I'm yeah. always like, yeah, these are like fine. Like this is a good medium-sized entertainment. And so that's how I actually came to understand like, oh, that's why Hallmark is so popular. Like it's consistent. It's like, yeah. you know exactly what to expect. Like it's entertaining. It's the equivalent of Bloomhouse except for, except for holiday cheer. Yeah. The company's formula for creating Christmas movies allows it to crank out their films in three weeks or less, they film, for $2 million each. The budget for every Hallmark movie. Some television shows cost more per episode to film than one Hallmark movie. Oh. Yeah. Most of the films are shot in Canada for tax reasons. Um, Vancouver is the most popular city. Although they did shoot on location in Romania for a movie last year, which is pretty cool. I thought you were going to say for A Christmas Prince, and I was like, I don't think that country exists, Sarah. No. (laughs) A Christmas Prince also was not a Hallmark movie. It was a Netflix Netflix movie, which I will get to. (laughs) Most of the films are shot in the summer, um, which means it's very hot for the actors because they're in full winter here in the middle of the summer. The scheduling of all the movies is very tight. Actress Lacey... Shab- Shabert? Shabert? She's Shabert, I think. She's from Mean Girls. She's crushing wieners. Lucy Chabert. Chabert. Thank you. Lacey uh, Chabert. Lu- Lacey. Lacey Chabert. I just, I just like, I hear the ABC family guy saying that. Lacey Chabert. Starring Lacey Chabert, Rachel McAdams, and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> mean Girls on next. Or like, when... That's really funny. Lacey Chabert. Um, she is a very popular Hallmark actress. And she mm-hmm. said in 2016, she saw a movie that aired four weeks after they were done filming. Jeez. Turnaround is crazy. Director Ron Oliver, who's directed stuff for Nickelodeon, but is like now directs a ton of stuff for the Hallmark Channel, mm-hmm. um, was in post-production on The Christmas Train last October while writing Reindeer Games, which would be shot in November for a mid-December air date. Jeez. Yeah. So that's how quickly it all turns around. He said, it's literally down to the wire, but I always remind people they shot Casablanca in 18 days, which I did not know. Yeah, neither did I. That's crazy. That's so short. Yeah. That's like how when they had to reshoot All the Money in the World with Christopher Plummer to replace Kevin Spacey, they Uh shot all Christopher Plummer's content in a week. Jeez. Yeah. They did it super fast. But they were like, he was just so good that they didn't need to shoot things multiple times, Mm. which was lucky because they had already had to like re- Go go into production. Oh, I was thinking of Christopher Walken. <laughs> we know how we feel about Christopher Walken. 
He knows what happened to Natalie Natalie Wood. Wood. He knows what happened to her. And we're just letting that go. Oh my gosh. Okay. In 2017, Kagan, a media research group, estimated that Hallmark made $431.3 million in revenue from advertising and affiliate fees during Christmas time. Mm-hmm. For context, Netflix revenue for the entire year is approximately double that. But you have to remember, Lifetime also has a lot of reality shows and other yeah. stuff that they do. So it's pretty impressive that that's just Hallmark in the fourth quarter yeah. of the year. Hallmark also continually uses the same actors. There's a debate over who holds the record for the most Hallmark Christmas movies, which I don't know how it's a debate. How do they just add them? Yeah, but I guess it's like count. popularity. They're considering popularity. Like who is the most popular Hallmark actress? Mm. Um, popular stars include Full House actors Candace, Candace Cameron, Cameron Bure and Lori Loughlin, mm. um, as well mm-hmm. as Lacey Chabert. Danica McKellar from The Wonder Years has also appeared in several Hallmark movies. If the Christmas movies are shot in the, shot in the summer, then what about snow? Well, <laughs> for Hallmark, will use snow blankets, fire retardant foam, a paper mache product called Crendel, crushed limestone, ice shavings, or snow machines like the ones you see on ski slopes, which are very which are the most expensive. Luke Benning, who is a visual effects expert, said recently Hallmark has been partial to the foam. <laughs> <laughs> what's a, a snow blanket a snow blanket those are the sheets of like white fabric that oh, look like snow that they just lay like for out. snow on the ground yes like, is it like a blanket that like self-destructs and... <laughs> it would be amazing flies everywhere yeah that'd be amazing um no that's not what it is and on close-ups they'll use soapy bubbles which means that the actor's hair gets like really stiff and it gets in their mouth and it's super uncomfortable oh, no. for everyone involved so even though the scenes look romantic it's super uncomfortable Hallmark movies receive about a $50,000 snow budget each. (laughs) Um, Popular question, how has Hallmark not run out of ideas? Um, Well, there's always sequels to movies, which they do (laughs) often. Um, CEO Bill Abbott said it's a challenge to find good scripts and good writers. So the company launched a book division that farms for future movies, specifically for the holidays. Like they're just (laughs) always looking for holiday scripts. Um, they also look really far in advance. They're currently planning next year's Christmas season. Wow. So it's a year-long process. There are psychological benefits to the Hallmark Christmas movies. Pamela Rutledge, a behavioral scientist, said the formulaic plots and predictability are necessary for viewers to unwind from the stress of the holidays, which is true. Um, She said the lack of reality at all levels, dragging her own company, (laughs) from plot to production, signals that the movies are meant to be escapism entertainment. So it's like, we know that they're realistic. That's the point. Yeah. And that they're unrealistic. <laughs> I was like, you think they're realistic? No, no. My point is that they're unrealistic. <laughs> and like, one of the, by, a lot of this information came from an article from Business Insider. And the opening was like, describing a ludicrous Christmas plot. And he was like, this isn't a real movie. But you probably know who would make it one. But, and then it went into all the Hallmark. It was really funny. Um, in Edison, New Jersey, Hallmark fans will be hosting Christmas Con this year. A celebration of Hallmark's Christmas contribution. <laughs> there will be panels with actors and directors and there will be merchandise and there's going to be an ugly sweater contest which sounds really nice and tickets sold out the 50 dollars tickets sold out like immediately i was gonna say let's go no we can't it's sold out very quickly dang hallmark's movies are only growing in popularity in the fourth quarter of 2018 the hallmark channel was the most watched cable network among women 18 to 49 and 25 to 54 so it very particularly appeals to young women and a lot of people say that like part of the reason that it's so popular is it's like a moment where like a lot of like 
female friends will get down will get together and like mm-hmm. they'll watch a movie on the mm-hmm. hallmark channel together for like comfort my which mom is, like, loves them sweet there are entire lists on the internet devoted to ranking the many hallmark movies <laughs> there's a podcast called deck the hallmark dedicated to the movies and the folks who run the podcast make a point of watching the films for 25 hours straight <gasps> and then they discuss them isn't that nuts like all of the movies or i think like one think movie just, over and over again for 25 hours I think they watch one movie over and over again. I don't know. That's a good point. Let me look it up. <laughs> well, if it was 25 hours and you said there's 40 movies per season. Well, that was just this year. Like, there's been more every. Oh. Then they're not. And they're, they're probably like an hour and a half. No, each. every episode is about a different movie. So. Because they'll watch one movie over and over and over again. Until they've like really dissected it. <laughs> That's crazy. Hold on. Let me... I'm, I'm on their website. Season two. Like, this episode is particular is, is about right before Christmas. That sounds like a, something I'd enjoy listening to. You probably would. You like romantic movies. I do. About us. I just want you to describe... And it's three guys. Like, <laughs> three men just shamelessly watching Good. the whole Good channel. Okay, I don't necessarily understand the 25 hours thing. If I find out, I will get that to you. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's not that they watch everything for just for the, when they kicked off season two this year, they did a 25 hour binge of the Hallmark movies that they just lo- did live commentary for. That was, mm. so that's just the thing they did once. It's not every time okay. they make an episode. <laughs> I was like, how do they sustain their life? <laughs> Um, no, it's not every time they do an episode. So at the beginning, they watched 25 hours straight of Hallmark Christmas movies to kick off season two. But now, just once an episode airs, they come out with a review for it like any other like show review mm-hmm. podcast. Okay, that makes sense. We have, we have found answers. Great, great. This year, and boy do I have a job for you, <gasps> the Hallmark Channel is hiring viewers to watch 24 Hallmark holiday films in 12 days and write about them on social media. There's a contest that you can enter through December 6th, which when this comes out, excuse me, this comes out on the 4th. So you'll have two days after this podcast comes out to enter the contest. Um, and the winner will get paid $1,000 to do it. Jeez, I could use $1,000. Apply. <laughs> I feel like the only reason that I'm not like jumping on it is like, A, I think I would get sick of them. And B, I feel like you need to have a lot of followers. Like they want some yeah. like an influence, but you can always try. I don't have a lot of followers. Hallmark is definitely the biggest exporter of holiday content, but there are other contenders. Lifetime made 14 original holiday movies at Christmas last year. And UPTV, which I've never heard of, or UpTV, I've never heard of, um, premiered seven original films last year. So other channels are mm-hmm. also up on the original holiday content trend. It's definitely popular. Netflix, two years ago, nearly broke the internet with its first <laughs> holiday movie, A Christmas Prince. <laughs> That was its first one, and this year, I know you do, and this year it will release six original holiday films, including A Christmas Prince The Royal Baby! The Royal Baby. That comes out, like, next week, or in two weeks. (laughs) I'm so excited. It comes out just after Thanksgiving. Those movies are so bad, but I love them. I love I love Aldovia. I liked, I loved The Princess Switch. Great movie. The Princess Switch is great. It was great. Holiday Calendar, not so much. (laughs) Holiday Calendar was a little weird. Um, but I loved the princess switch. We have to ride tonight before Christmas. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so Netflix is like getting up on the trend. They're like, we can do it too. Us too. <laughs> on a, with maybe a bigger budget, but we don't know. 
So although we may make fun of them, original made-for-TV holiday films are a big industry with some stiff competition for young women's attention. Mm. And I think, like, they do get made fun of because they are made for women, but it's, like... So is everything that's made for women. Like, yeah. Like, just let us have fun. Yeah. The three men, the Deck the Hallmark people get it. Yeah. (laughs) Those three guys are like, yeah, we get it. We get it. So that is everything about... All my Christmas movies. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So everybody listening, I hope you start your holiday season by tuning into the Hallmark Channel at any given moment. They're playing um, an original holiday film that is ridiculous (laughs) and very predictable, but comforting. Yes. Sometimes you just need an element of predictability in your life. I agree. Definitely. And speaking of predictability, you know what I'm going to say next. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. And uh, you can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can consider donating to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to give you the gift this season of having your questions be answered. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? We're getting into the cold season. This makes me think about the coldest place on earth, which is Antarctica. (laughs) And um, I just like, I... Well, didn't you listen to our, our episode couple weeks ago Antarctica doesn't exist it's just an ice wall around the flat okay, desk no away. stop <laughs> I have follow-up questions um no I just like I don't have a specific question about Antarctica actually um I was gonna ask you about the government and then I've found out that there are no countries in Antarctica so I just like I just want to know some facts about Antarctica okay. like it's just like it's discovery it's, it's particularly in regards to exploration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. discovery mm-hmm. and like I don't, yeah, again, I don't have a specific question. I just want to know more about Antarctica. I feel like it's highly under-talked about, considering it's the seventh continent. Sure. So, right? Yeah. (laughs) There's seven? Yes. I'm a smart lady. (laughs) Yes, there are seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Checks out, checks out. checks out. That checks out. So, I just want to know some stuff about the seventh continent, Antarctica. Particularly exploration and discovery, but, like, wherever wherever the the windy snow okay. takes you <laughs> if that's okay of course of course great 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 that sunlight hurts so kind of a large mm-hmm. topic okay um hmm. oh my god i'm reading the grammy nominations and always remember us this way was nominated for song of the year i love that song that's my favorite song from that movie it's exciting What if I, would it be too big a topic to ask you about, like... I just asked you about an entire The continent. last decade. Oh, like recap? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm into it. I'm I was, into it. I was thinking of maybe saving that till closer to New Year's, but also there's like other, but that's also like really close to Christmas and. When what? Hold on, let me look at what the Wednesday dates are in December. Okay, so, oh my God, New Year's Day is a Wednesday. <laughs> Well, do we want to take off for Christmas and New Year's? Like, Maybe. say that we don't release. Say we're only going to release. We won't release the 25th or the 1st. Like, that's fair. So, on the 18th, we'll be like, there will be no more new episodes until January 8th. Yeah. I think that's fair of us to yeah. say. So, yeah, we can talk about we can talk about that. Because this, this episode comes out the 11th. So, there's yeah. only one more that we're doing after this. Okay. For Christmas. So. All right. So, Sarah, you just asked me about an entire continent. Um... Well, I'm going to ask you about an entire decade. Ooh. Um, I have been wondering, I guess, what culturally we would consider and technologically... The big things. Like, what are the biggest things of the past decade okay. since we're about to enter a new one? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. That's a good question. I'm I'm interested. All righty. Wow. Big topics. Big topics. That's fine. Getting ready for a big season. <laughs> the winter. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> That sounds great. I can do that. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.